I, I always love it when Ben does prayer because it's this... I, I have a smooth, dulcet tone, but yours is like soothing. It's the soothing, dulcet tones of Ben. If you guys would... You guys want to open up your Bibles, please, to the book of James, chapter 3. This is, a, this is a difficult teaching for me because the reality is I have been on both sides of this. Um, last week, I just want to put this back into context a little bit. Last week we learned from James how we're supposed to balance our faith. We're instructed to have the kind of faith that submits to Christ fully and it should be shown by following the royal law which is to love others as you would yourself. Our faith cannot be about us because that's humanism. It has to be centered around the love of Christ. Our, our example of Christian living is one where we love one another sacrificially. It, it's, not, it's not a show. We, we don't put on the Christian look of concern and say, oh, I'll pray for you, brother. It, it's, are we really there for them? Are we really doing the things that would help that person out? And it, it, that's that kind of faith that we talked about last week. We do the works of Christ because we love people, not because we're commanded to. So this week, James continues to help these displaced people further with their treatment of others. And he's going to go into something that I think we all struggle with, which is taming our tongue. And then he talks about the issue of pride a little bit. So here... We go into another series where Troy is going to teach to himself, and you guys all just get to sit there and get the benefit of me beating myself up, all right? So if you listen closely, there may be something in there for you, but for the most part, we're just going to watch me beat myself up here. And I think we're going to go ahead and go through the whole chapter 3. And I think that this is actually coming at a pretty opportune time in our church body. Our, our points for today are going to be um, teachers, the untamable, and wisdom. So please stand up, and we are going to read the entire chapter 3 here. Is anybody still looking for it? We don't have the words up. We haven't mastered that technology yet, but we're looking into a couple different options, so we'll get it there. There is pew Bibles in front of you if you want, and literally they're for people with awesome eyes because I can't read them. The letters are a little small. Yeah, they are better than the original. The original ones were like microscopic. They were like a four font or something. All right, you guys ready? Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. 
For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they will obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spirit pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good contact by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. And if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is pure, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Amen. You may be seated. There is a lot here. I'll keep it under three hours. Wow, nobody like yelled or threw nothing at me. That was pretty good. You guys know it won't take that long. First of all, the first subject is very near and dear to my heart because it's something that I take very seriously. Teaching is probably one of the most difficult things to do, especially in our time, because everyone has opinions about how it should be done. Um, They have opinions about who they like to listen to. They have opinions on whether the person that's standing up here is teaching them what they want to hear or they, you know, it's that whole smorgasbord theology thing. So we've been discussing a lot lately about compromise. And there's one thing that most of you guys know about me. There's one thing that I'm, I'm never willing to compromise, and that's on God's, the truth of God's word. The, this language that he uses here is one of the big reasons why because i'm judged with with greater strictness i i often stay awake at night 
in the middle of the night asking God if I'm seeing his word clearly um, on things because like most of you guys, if you stand up here, the thing that you worry about is like somebody's, somebody's looking at you and you're, or the whole audience is naked in their underwear or whatever. That's what you guys always worry about. Some of you guys, and I, the thing is, you know, when I, I remember the first time I did anything on stage, Mr. Adelman asked me to do the announcements, you know, years ago, and I'm standing there, I'm shaking like this. And all I'm doing is reading stupid words, you know, but for me at the time, that was really, that was tough. For me, I don't care that you all are staring at me. I, I, that doesn't bother me. What scares me is the fact that it's my job to shepherd, to shepherd this flock. And am I doing it right? If I'm doing something that's wrong or an error or whatever it is, that's my biggest fear. I've seen pastors who sin and will lead people away from Christ. And, and I've seen others that, that bring people in and help them to flourish and help them to grow. And, and I want more than anything, my, my number one goal in anything that I do is to be biblically accurate, but to also make the lesson something where you can kind of grab onto it and understand it and make it apply to your life. Because the, the Bible's a big word, a big book with a whole bunch of old words in it. And people go, well, how does that apply to me? That's, I think that's my job is to make it understandable so that you guys go, oh, all right, I never saw it that way. And that's, that's the idea of what we want to do here. So it, it's also my job to help you on your walk with Christ. And I'm held to a higher standard because if I'm leading you down a different path than you should be going, that's on me right? You expect me to lead you going the right way. If I'm leading you down the wrong way, that's bad. If I misrepresent Christ to you, that can have trickled down effects that are massive. And, and I, I don't, that's, that's a fear I don't ever want to do. I don't want to have to explain to God how I led you down this road and how you ended up where you're at. Because I see it a lot, and I hear it a lot, where somebody will say to me, well, my pastor says I should be doing this. Your pastor's wrong. I don't know how to tell you this, but that's not a biblical answer to that. So I, I don't want to have to answer for leading people astray, so I'm very particular about my exegesis of Scripture. The, real, the, the, the reality of this is that what James says is not many people should do this job because it's hard. In a, in a 2013 Schaefer Institute study, 1,700 pastors per month leave the ministry because of fatigue, depression, or burnout. One of those three things. And I'm not telling you guys this for sympathy. I'm telling you so that you know my heart. I'm accountable to God for what I bring up here. And I'm judged on how I represent him to you. And that can be scary. I'm also accountable to you guys. 
because you are the body. If, if I'm not doing my job and you're not growing and you're not learning, you'll leave because why would you stay here if there's no point in you being here, right? And, and I, I realize that as verse 2 says, I may stumble. I'm, I'm not perfect. But you need to understand that my heart is always to do the best that I can in leading you guys in the church. I will mess up. But I also have an open door to where you can come to me at any time and we can talk about something that I've done. I, I do think that if we don't see something the same, that it's better to sit down with our Bibles and discuss that than to just walk off in a hissy, right? And sadly, the last part of this part of my rant is I, I think that and I saw this really badly at our last church. I don't see it that much here. But typically, pastors and their families are held to a very unreasonable standard. Some people expect pastors and their family to be perfect. And, and we're not. Um, <laughs> loud amen from the wife. Amen! Um, I mean, we're trying to do what God's called us to do, but we're still human. We're flesh and blood just like you. We struggle just like you. And there are certainly things in my life that I'm working on, and my tongue is one of them. Hi, Melody. Mel Mel. Go back there. Go back there. Go back there. Play with Sarah. All right. Okay. Um, my tongue's one of them. You guys, most of you don't know this. You should have seen me five years ago. You should have seen me ten years ago. God's working on me. He's working on my family. He's working on all of us the same. It, it's not... We've talked about this ad nauseum. We're, we're all at different places on our journey with Christ. We're all going in different places. We're all going, we're all going the same place, but we're all going at different paces. We're all going in, in, a, in, a, in a different rate of speed. I can't expect you guys to know everything that I do. I can't expect you, or I, I, I don't expect, don't expect me to know everything you do. I've not lived your life. You have not lived mine. To, to hold me to the standard that you've set because of how you live is just, really, it's kind of unreasonable. Um, I, I just hope that I'm being judged by you guys and by God that my heart is understood and that it's done with grace and love and not condemnation. Because if, if there's an issue in the body, we're required to handle it in a way that's biblical. And we went through this before. Um, but we go, we go to a brother and we say something to him. If, the, if that doesn't resolve it, we take two or more. And that's the, the importance of that is you may be wrong. 
So you take it to one of your friends and go, hey, is he doing this? Is that going on? There's just a biblical order to this. Finally, we go to the church leadership. The reason for that is to promote unity, not division. Um, we're, we're all part of the body. And when one of us hurts, we should all swoop in and, tr- and help the heal that process. What we don't do is just get upset and storm off. If there's a misunderstanding or if something was misheard, again, none of us is perfect, so we sit down and we talk about it. Teachers are supposed to be held to a higher standard, not a double standard. 1 Timothy 3 gives us a standard by which I'm supposed to teach and lead, Um, but... I I need you guys to understand something about 1 Timothy 3. There's nothing in those standards that aren't typical for Christian behavior. Just people in general should behave in those ways. Um, None of us are ever going to do it perfect, but those are the standards just for typical Christian living. And I'm sorry that I spent so much time on this, but I really want you guys to understand what my heart is as the pastor of the church. Because I have seen, what, what, did, what did Robert used to say? The sheep bite, and it hurts. Um, I've seen pastors who are crushed by congregations, and, and a lot of times it's because they put them up on this platform, and when they're not perfect, then they try and knock them off of it. And I... I'm laboring with you guys, for you guys, and it's, but I'm still just a man. And it's a lot of times we need to just remember that I live in a glass house and there's a lot of people chucking rocks at it, you know? So we just need to remember that we want to show grace and harm because no matter what I say up here, There's one thing I can guarantee you as the teacher here. I will never ever say something that is purposely designed to hurt, harm, or maim you in any way. I'm just preaching what God's told me to preach and what's on my heart. So with that, let's get to the second point, which is taming the untamable. James breaks into this Um, with three descriptive words in our text. He compares it to a bit in a horse's mouth, a rudder on a ship, and fire. So let's look at those examples. Verse 3 says, If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we we guide their whole bodies as well. James uses a bit here as a metaphor for control. When we put a bit in a horse's mouth, we can steer the entire animal with with just that little rod. We let our tongue control and steer us as well. We say something and our body responds to it. Even if it's not verbalized. Have you guys ever experienced that? There's studies out there, all kinds of studies, that talk about how We can make ourselves sick just by the words that we use. They can, 
your words are powerful. They can build you up. They can tear you down. They can, they can shatter people's lives. Now, think of your whole body. The, the tongue's a relatively small part, but think of your whole body as like just this thing going forward with all this momentum and motion. And you just got this little piece of wood or steel right here, and I just turn you from one side to the other. It's what your mouth does. Um, and a lot of times you just can't stop it. You guys ever run into that? Where you say things and then go, I, I can't believe I just said that. No, I'm the only one. You're all, all right, all right. This is going to be hard because you're all perfect and this is going to be a difficult talk here. I, I think that we all do. And then he, James goes into talking about it being like a massive ship. Your whole body's like this massive ship. It's just that little thing. It's going back and forth. And it's, it's turning your whole body in the direction that you, you really don't want to go. Our, our tongue not only controls our speech, but it can get us into big trouble with lies and deception. Both of those two things, the rudder... Um, it's it's they're both about how our tongue can control us the last example james uses is when he's talking about when it's out of control completely out of control which is a fire it's it's that little that small little fire that how it can set a whole forest ablaze Have you, you guys ever seen that happen you ever seen it happen in a church where one little person says something that's not really true and it kind of just filters around. So I think I've told you guys this before. When I was at Calvary, we, we were in the children's ministry there. I was, I was the children's ministry supervisor over there. And we, our hall, we, we had this long hall and it was all doors with all the classrooms. And my office was way, way, way in the back of the hall. And one time, just to prove a point to all my teachers, I told somebody something in the back. It was so outrageous. It was like, there's no way it could be true. And I just waited like five minutes and I walked down the hallway and all my teachers are like, did you seriously mean that we're doing this? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I just want to see how fast the gossip spread. And it took five minutes to get the entire length of the hallway. Every single one of those people flipped out over what I wasn't really going to do, but they thought I was. Because our mouth we don't really verify it we don't check it we just kind of Facebook it throw it out there and you know let the world figure it out right the fire of gossip can spread to all the members and discord and division is sown and we can stain the entire body and not even know what's going on our text says that the animals of the earth can be tamed, but the tongue is untamable. And we try, but we'll bless God with it and turn around and curse the people that are created in His image. We, we can't spew forth poison towards each other and towards others and expect that there not be issues especially in a church body. Remember, 
the context up till now of everything that James has been talking about has been following the royal law of loving each other the way that we would love ourselves. So do you think that James here is seeing that there's some issues with how some of these people are treating each other? Yeah, there is. Do you think that James would give the same speech today? Absolutely he would, because it's probably as bad or worse. But I, I see that, that there's a lot of division in people, and especially in the church, just based on how we talk to each other. If we just listened half as much as we talked, we wouldn't be in this position. Remember, I'm teaching to myself, so you guys just listen. Sadly, the reality of a conversation between two people is that most people listen to respond. They do not listen to hear what the other person says. So they can't wait. That, literally, what that means is it means I can't wait to get my tongue involved in this. Let me tell you what I think. You, know, you didn't even hear what the other person said. You just jumped into that. So the rest of our text in verses 10, 11, and 12 says, and I love this analogy because I want you guys to think about what is coming out of our hole this hole, the big one in the front, the one where when the kids eat chocolate donuts, they get stuff all the way around it. That hole. Z-Man. I'm talking to you, dude. So, is what, we is what comes out of our mouth pure or is it salty? Not salty like the kids mean it today. Just salty. Because salt, salt water leaves a bad taste in your mouth. You can't drink it. You can't be nourished by it. You can't live on salt water. Can you? And our speech should be more of what people want to hear, not something, not something that just leaves that nasty taste in their mouth. The tongue and its issues are listed throughout Scripture. They're everywhere. Because our tongue gets us into trouble. But as Christians, we, as Christians especially, we should not be leaving bad tastes in people's mouths. And, and I, as, as I've grown and I continue to be changed by God, he, He's made me realize that, some of you, this may shock you, um, I don't need to say the first thing that pops into my head. You're not supposed to laugh at that. I, I've done a lot of counseling over the years. And one of the things that I always, one of the top things that I always deal with is anger. Anger issues, anger management. I got a lot of experience there, so it's a, it's a good one. But I, I always tell people with anger management issues, before they open up their pie hole, the 
salt and pure water hole. Before they open that up, just stop and count to five. Because I guarantee you, the thing you were about to say is not what you want to say. And most of the time, what happens, and this is the reason why the tongue is so untamable, is because the vast majority of us, our mouth gets ahead of our brain, right? Anybody else? Still just me. Dang it. This is going to... All right, well, just listen. Maybe we'll get to you some sometime. Sometimes we just need to stop and think before we say something, right? And, and as we grow, that becomes clear as God continues to work through us and, and to show us and give us wisdom on how to respond better to people and how they behave. You know what? Because the reality is most of the time we just we we respond because of how somebody treated us or what they said to us and sometimes we misconstrue that sometimes we don't and people just stink i mean that's just the reality of it and and we have to deal with that right so the saying the first thing that pops out of your head how, how many of you guys does that ever make it better yeah never never we still do it right The, the reality is, is that we all need each other's words. We're social people. We need the love. We need the affection. We, we need the understanding. We need the compassion. We need that love. What we don't need is all the other junk that comes spewing out of our mouths, Right? And that takes us to our last point, which is wisdom. So who is wise and understanding among you? Where'd Josh go? <laughs> no, he left. <laughs> James asks this last question in this section, and it's telling. Because most of us, I mean, let's be honest. We're pretty prideful people, right? So most of us would say, yeah, I'm smart. I know stuff. I know things, right? And if you guys remember, the, the part is here is that you're smart and you know things and you, you, you're wise from your own perspective, from what you know. You don't know what I know. I don't know what you know. But you know what you know, and I don't know that. So, in that case, you're smart. If you remember, a couple weeks ago, I was talking about the teenagers, right? We were talking about all the teenagers, and, and I, I was saying how, you know, when teenagers have troubles and they have issues, what do they do? Well, they go to the smartest person they know, their friend, right? Well, they're the smartest people on the planet. No, they're the biggest. They could be as dumb as a box of rocks, but you're going to them because, well, they have wisdom. They know things. They don't know anything other than what you know because you pretty, probably pretty much hang out. You have the same hairdos. You have the same look. You have the same everything, right? Here's the thing. Those dumb people that you're going to advice from, 
Well, it, you go to them because their advice makes sense to you. Think about that. And hopefully you chuckled inside. Because you're going to your dumb friends for advice. Because it makes sense to you. Here's the thing, guys, about wisdom. Wisdom, unlike truth, is relative. Or it, actually, hold on, let me rephrase that. Wisdom, yeah, wisdom, unlike truth, can be relative. Truth is not relative. Truth is either it is or it is not, right? So when, when, I, when I tell you the sky is blue, the sky is blue. If you come in and you tell me that, well, there's certain hues of this. and don't, don't give me the nerdy version of it. But the sky is blue, right? If you come in and tell me that it's black, well, what well, dark? Babe. No. If you tell me it's red, they're not the same. If I tell you water is wet, and you say, well, no, it's not, we have to have a common truth. There's a common a bond of truth that happens. It, it either is or it is not. There is, no, there is no varying around truth, okay? Wisdom can be relative because wisdom is relative to my knowledge base, right? It's what I know. So I should be wiser than my seven-year-old. The reality is, guys, and this is why you don't dismiss somebody when they're telling you something. My seven-year-old knows things that I do not. That's just the reality of it. She watches things. She sees things. She knows things about some of you that I do not know. So, there are moments when she's smarter than me. But for the most part, I should have more wisdom than my seven-year-old. Right? I, I would hope so. So, as we grow older and as we learn... There, there's a way for us to learn these things. So how do, you, how do you go about and show your wisdom? Do you go around telling everyone how wrong they are? I used to do that. Still talking to me, guys. Still doing it. Seriously, I walked around telling everybody. I was so legalistic. I could tell everybody how they were living their Christian life wrong. Right? It was so obnoxious. God, I was bad. I was bad. James says, listen to this. This is, this, is, this is important here. James says, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Does that sound like the way that you show your wisdom by telling everybody that they're all wrong? No. It's, only, it's, it's, it's the old saying that you are the, Bible, the only Bible that most people will read. The way that you are to people. The way that you treat people. The way that you love people. So, here's the question. Why do we always show them the Old Testament version? 
Why, why do we always tell them about all the rules and all the things and all the stuff that you're supposed to do? And shouldn't we be showing them grace and forgiveness and, and, and what mercy is all about? I, I have, guys, I have, I have lots and lots of pieces of paper that says I know things. But if I can't show you grace and if I can't show you mercy and if I can't extend, by extension, show you the love of Christ and what he did on the cross for you, me standing up here, me going to school was, was pointless. Me standing up here is useless. So if, if your motivation to help someone is to see your wisdom in selfish ambition, I, don't do it. Don't even waste your time. Because they're not going to listen to you anyway. We, we've talked many times about how we're all on that different spiritual journey. This one is really hard because we as Christians, we get convictions that we feel God is really laying on our hearts, right? You guys, any of you guys got any convictions at all? Like, so let me... Let me, let me give you one. For me, for me, it's like not being Trump on Facebook, okay? I, I, I have to stop doing that because that's one of the things that I have really been working on. But for some people, I, we used to have a dear friend of ours that went to our, our Tucson church, and she had a conviction about head coverings. She just felt convicted that the Lord was telling her to wear a head covering, okay? Um, some, some people... Some people are convicted over the clothes that you wear. I, I, I kid you not, guys, but seriously, 10 years ago, our Tucson church looked like, looked like a little house on the prairie rerun. I mean, the girls wore the long dresses. The, the men were all buttoned up. People have convictions. 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 And here's, there's a lot of wisdom here, guys. Convictions are typically based on people's pasts, okay? So if someone was an alcoholic, they may feel that being around alcohol is bad, all right? It's understandable, right? So it's not against God's word for me to have a glass of wine. I can't stand the stuff and I don't drink, but you see the point. I have a rule... Um, where I, I don't ever, I'm never alone in a room with another woman that's not my wife. It, it doesn't say that in God's word. It's just something that makes me feel accountable, and it just, it's, it's a preference that I have, okay? So if I ever do counseling with women, my wife's always there. Somebody else is there. Husband's there, whatever it is. We all have reasons why we do things, and they're, they're based on trying to do the right thing. It could be based on past hurts. It could be based on gossip. It could be based on what, whatever it is. They're not inherently bad to have convictions about doing things, and the Lord is guiding you into doing this. That's fine. That's, that's great. The issue is not having convictions. The, the wisdom... Listen carefully. The wisdom is knowing that your convictions are not my convictions. 
And when you try and push your convictions on me as truth, James actually says some very not kind words as to what that is. Because he says it's earthly, unspiritual, and even demonic. Why would he say that? Well, because my shoving my convictions onto you as law may just push you away from Christ. And I've seen it happen over and over and over again. Because you feel the need to do something does not mean it's commanded by God for me to do that or to feel the same way that you do about it. You don't see me coming in with a head covering on, right? I'm just saying, there's, there's things... And guys, don't get me wrong. Convictions are not bad. When I push it on you, though, as you're a sinner if you're not doing this, that's just wrong. Because that's not... That, none of those... Again, remember why we, do, why we have these convictions. We have the convictions because of something that happened in our life or some kind of preference that we have. They're not, tip, they're not necessarily biblical. They're just things that we don't want to do because it's almost like our own... The easiest way for me to explain this would be like our own little fence laws. We put up our own little fence laws to keep us from doing something that we don't want to do. Right? We do it all the time. You guys don't even probably even think about it, but you have your own convictions. You make up your own little rules on how you want to do things, how you want to live, and you kind of set your own guidelines. There's nothing wrong with that. Tell tell me I got to do that. Especially if you're not going to exegete Scripture right and try and use something out of context on me. Because everything that we do needs to be done in the light of God's Word. Are we following God's Word in how we're doing this? I only got like 75 more pages. We're good. Still talking to me, that's the problem. Our, Our goal is to show the love of Christ not to show people how you think God wants them to live. Because that's just arrogance. God tells us to love them, not indoctrinate them into little us's. It it, it is funny to me, because if you ever... How many of you guys have ever been in a megachurch? Okay. Not many of you. It, it is funny that if you are in a mega church for a while, you start to see kind of everybody start dressing the same. <laughs> and everybody start, and you kind of sit back and go, it's a little, it's a little weird. But it, it happens. We don't want to, we don't want to create a whole bunch of little us's. It's not about that. It's, it's about showing the love of Christ. If we're pushing our convictions on others, 
Why don't you guys think about this for a second? If we're pushing our conviction, our conviction on other people, they're not going to see what the Holy Spirit has for them to work on in their lives because we're too busy telling them what we think the Holy Spirit needs to tell them, right? Do you guys see the massive issue there? Because we, we aren't the Holy Spirit to people. And it's not our job to blast them with the truth and help, hope that they come around. Right? All we're doing is we're hindering the work that God's actually supposed to be doing in their lives by trying to play God. Bluntly. That's what's happening. That's why James says it's, it's a vile practice because it leads to disorder. And we are basing truth on our thinking, not God's word. Remember, convictions, our convictions, are our convictions. They're stuff that we do because it makes us feel better about whatever it is we had going on in our life. Again, there's nothing wrong with it. I hope, I hope that this makes sense because this can be a massive issue in the church if it's not checked. So let's wrap up on the upside because I'm tired of beating myself up. But the wisdom from above is first pure and then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Every good thing comes from above. Not from my thoughts or my convictions. We have to see pure wisdom. And, and that wisdom comes from above and we have to let God do the work in people's lives. We can't just go around pointing our bony little fingers at people. Except Josh. You can all point at Josh. He's right there. If there's issues, we sit down and we talk about them. Because the goal is to reason with one another and find peace, as James says here. Convictions should never divide people because they aren't for all people, they're yours. And we can't, we can't be impartial if we're only looking at things through our eyes. Danielle is seven years old. She's not going to see this, She's not going to see things the way that I see things. My wife definitely does not see things the way that I see things, and, and that's not wrong. 
There's nothing wrong with that. It's the way that you see things. Guys, love, love takes the time to pause and to listen and to understand what the other people are going through. I don't have, I have zero issue with anybody having any kind of conviction over any, it doesn't, people's convictions do not bother me at all, especially, especially when I sit down and listen to them and understand why they have them. It makes it a lot easier to not judge people when you actually listen to them and find out what the heck's going on with them. It really does. It makes it so much easier to just go, oh, that's why you do that. See, because you guys all think I'm just crazy. No, there's reasons. There are reasons why I'm this way. But one, one of the greatest gifts that Jesus Christ gave us was the example of patience. He knew what every single one of us did or was going to do. Or we, he knew all of our sins. And, and yet he took the time to still love people and to show them grace. And that's, that's how peace is shown. That's how, that's how love is done. Because we take that time to understand each other. Not just assume. You know what assumptions are, right? And it's true. We tame the untamable because we share that kind of love. That's the only way to do it. You have to shut this, open these, and extend love to people. Am I bloody? No? This is tough. I mean, it's tough stuff. Because the reality is we all struggle. We all struggle with... Anybody in here, like, first thing popping in your mouth that comes out? Anyone? Yeah, you're all lying. Lying right here in church, you're doing it. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, all right, good. You all, well, I knew that about you two. <laughs> all right, um, let's stand up, we'll pray, and we'll do communion. Actually,